Awesome, awesome. Well, we are continuing our series on Ephesians. How many of you have enjoyed the series on Ephesians? Yeah, a few of you. I have really enjoyed it. I, I find that I am just, just to kind of soak in a book for five months that's only, you know, six chapters long and we're only in chapter four. I find there's so much in Ephesians that's been really life-giving to us as a community, but also individually. And if you haven't watched past sermons, they're all online. They're on YouTube. They're on Facebook. And, um, you know, you can always go back and watch what you've missed. So we're in our last gift of Jesus. Um, and this is the gift of the teacher. And so previous weeks, we've talked about Jesus gave the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, um, the evangelist, and now the teacher. And so uh, the first thing that I'll say about teachers is probably at the end of this message, if you're a teacher, you will have thought of a few ways you could have taught it better than me. Uh, that's how you kind of know that you're a teacher. You'll say, well, it could have been three points to this or five points to that. Um, teachers have a unique ability of uh, teaching information in a way that's you know, digestible and makes sense and is linear and is very different from actually the way that I preach and teach. So um, I, I'm sure that you'll come to me and say that you have a better way, which is great. We love you, teachers. You raised us. You reared us. You, um, we've had good teachers. We've had not so great teachers. But um, I think there's a lot of teachers in this church and so um, bear with me this morning. I'm going to teach from a particular perspective, of course, and, um, but I hope we can all learn something from this gift that Jesus gave to the church. Let's pray, and then we'll open God's word this morning. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you already for the worship that we've encountered your presence, Lord. Thank you for this time that we've had in community, Lord, of uh, releasing Pastor Jen into a new role, Lord. Thank you for being here, that you are the center of it all, Jesus. And your word is the center of this church, Lord. And we pray this morning that as we read some familiar verses and new verses, we pray that you would deposit new revelation, new information that will lead to transformation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, turn with me to Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to read again the passage that we've been reading each week. Verse 11 and following, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, will may, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by crafty in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, everyone say every way, into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint 
with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Further down in verse 22 to 24, Paul continues to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Everyone say spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. A lot of scripture. There's something in here that talks about the gift of teacher, which is that teachers communicate the knowledge of the son of God. Teachers communicate the knowledge of the son of God to equip the saints with understanding. One of the deepest convictions of the teacher and the gift of the teacher is sound doctrine. Teachers are most concerned that God's people will be carried away in winds of bad doctrine. Teachers are mostly convicted with the fact that we would be just blown back and forth with every new thing that comes up. Jesus gives the gift of teachers to establish a foundation of good doctrine, sound doctrine, so that we would be built up in the knowledge of the Son of God, and by doing so, we would become mature, we would have unity around doctrine. Now, doctrine can be taught from a cognitive perspective, like measurable facts. Doctrine can be taught in the same way if I asked my son to go and cut a two by four 36 inches. That would be a cognitive function. He would get a tape measure. He would measure the two by four 36 inches. He would put a mark on the 36 And then he would cut that piece of wood and he would bring the piece of wood to me and it would be 36 inches. That's cognitive function. That's one function of the teachers is to teach information, facts, truth, objective truth. But there's a lot of other ways that teachers teach that is not just cognitive. But we'll begin there. Teachers teach in three main ways. Cognitive, effective, and behavioral. Cognitive is the brain, the thinking, the brain function, facts, truth, objective, something like Jesus was born in, well, 6 to 3 BC. Teachers have now determined through figuring out knowledge that that Jesus was actually born before Christ. (laughs) I think those things are funny. But, um, you know, we have this whole time system based on the birth of Christ, and then here comes along better researchers, better teachers that dig for new knowledge, and they go, okay, I think it was 6 B.C., and then it was, oh, I think it's 4 B.C., I think it's actually 3 B.C. I think they finally settled on 3 B.C., Jesus was born before Christ. So these are new teachers, better teachers with better research, finding out better information. 
but that is a cognitive fact. That's just the brain. The second part is the affective, which is the heart. And the third is the behavioral, which is how we behave. And good teachers and creative teachers and anointed teachers will teach in all three areas. In other words, it's not enough to just know the information. It has to affect us deep in our heart. And ultimately, we have to lead to transformation in our life, right? Amen. So this first part is sound doctrine is really the cognitive function that teachers will teach. But I believe that knowledge plus the Holy Spirit transforms a life. I don't believe just knowledge in itself transforms lives. There has to be knowledge with the Holy Spirit that leads to transformation in one's life. And so I'm going to spend a lot of time on this middle section, which is probably the way that I teach and preach, which is the effective or the heart. The heart. Again, in Ephesians 4.23, it says that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's a very curious statement. Because our minds are actually spirit. This is not referring to the brain, that the mind is actually beyond the brain. The mind is even scientifically proven to be outside of the brain. And some even suggest that it's outside of our bodies. I know, mind-blowing. I don't understand it, but... But the point is that the mind is actually beyond just cognitive function. The mind is actually inside of what we refer to as the heart or the soul. You see, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And the mind, the will, and the emotions, which some refer to as the heart or the seat of our affection, and some refer to as the mind, actually there is spirit in it. The spirit of understanding, reasoning, and deciding. So when Paul writes the spirit of your minds, the word mind means understanding, reasoning, and deciding. The mind directs where we will behave, where we will go. And the self is what a person thinks. So it is so important that I would understand how do I think about myself? How do I think about others? How do I think about God? What is happening in my mind as I'm interacting with other people? I believe that wholeness, wellness is so important. That wholeness and wellness for each one of us individually where we begin to dig deep inside of ourselves to see what is really going on inside of our heart. What are the thought patterns that we have? What are the emotions that we have? How are we relating and responding to people? Is it healthy? Is it whole? And Paul is saying that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that there is a renewal that must happen inside of us, that we might relate to one another in a healthy way. A few months ago, I began going to counseling. And I remember first speaking to the counselor and he was like, okay, tell me a little bit about your life. 
So I told him a little bit about my life, and it was kind of cognitive. It was facts being exchanged. And then a few sessions in, he looked at me and he went, you know, Joel, it it seems like you have buried parts of yourself for years. I was like, huh? Now, cognitively, I would think, well, I haven't been buried in the ground. That's not a fact. And he said again, I think you've buried parts of yourself. And when he said it the second time, it was like it went right through me to somewhere in my feeler And I just broke down in tears, uncontrollable, sobbing, basically like last week during my sermon, Um, for those that weren't there. I feel like there has to be small print on when I preach now, like bring tissues, may or may not be required. But I remember he said this to me, and what happened was it passed through the cognitive, way past the cognitive. It hit my, the spirit of my mind And I realized that he's right. And this is where we began the journey of healing. In these areas in my life. And I began reading about different different things that have been going on. And it's been so helpful to invite someone to look into my space, my inner world, this heart of mine, and say, This is what I think is going on. And this happens to us. Good friends do this. Um, A counselor would do this for you. Pastoral counseling we do here at Northside. Inner healing we do here at Northside. Prayer, worship, the sermon, God involved in our lives. And we invite God into all of these spheres of our life. And he begins to show us, you know what, Joel? You need to be renewed in this area. Joel, you need to be made whole in this area. And he, he, he renews us in the spirit of our minds so that we can present people, we can present the world around us with the best version of ourself. And I think what happens so many times is we just think cognitively about life. We just think about the facts around us. And yet inside of our life, inside of our heart that Paul is talking about here, there is deep renewal that is needed. He tells us elsewhere in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is not in your notes. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you find yourself having a hard time understanding what God's will is for your life, 
If you have a hard time understanding what the direction for your life should be, if you have a hard time understanding where you should live or if you should take that new job or if you should enter into that new relationship, if you have a hard time you know, discerning where should I go to university or where should I eat lunch today, if you're having a hard time with these life decisions, I have a huge secret for you. It's, it's kind of a one-step secret for you. If you are renewed in your minds, you will be transformed. And if you are transformed, Paul says, you will be able to discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many times we're waiting on God for a decision. We're waiting on God for an answer. And we're going to him in prayer. And we want breakthrough in this area. And we want this. And we want that. And we have to see the, the end result. And we go to God for these decisions when God is saying, you know what, Joel? Forget that for a moment. Come aside for a little while. Come aside for a little while and be renewed and transformed in your mind. And as I set aside time to be transformed in the renewing of my mind, I come back to the situation with new eyes. I come back to the situation with new strategy. I come back to the situation with new perspective. And Paul says the natural result of a transformed mind is that we are able to discern the will of God. Teachers find peace in knowledge. Renewed minds are at peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. Isaiah writes, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed focused, remains, remains on him. You keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because when our minds are focused on him, we trust in him. And so if I can set aside my concern, my issue, no matter how big it looks on the on the surface, no matter how big this this could be this could be terminal illness. And I am focused on it and I'm I'm going to the doctors and I'm going to the surgeons and I'm I'm going and I'm experiencing all the all the pain of it, all the waiting of it. It's just hard. But God says just for a little while, Joel, if you would just set it aside, and come over here and spend some time. And my eyes are focused on him. And peace is found in him. And peace is found in the direct focus on him. 
And I'm saying, God, I know this exists over here, but I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus my attention on you. I need transformation, Lord, in my mind. I need renewal in my mind. So when I return to this situation, Lord, is there something different in it? Whatever that situation might be. You keep him or her in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on you because he, she trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord is an everlasting rock. And so the heart is the place. Uh, some would call the heart the soul. The, the soul is the place where we form values, attitudes, conviction, discernment. It's where we make decisions. It's the mind, will, and emotions. How are we doing? Okay. Sorry for the rest of you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, verse 13 to 15. Jesus speaking. And Jesus is a wonderful teacher. He asks questions, circular questions. He never answers. He speaks in parables, which are stories that represent something else. Jesus is a wonderful, creative, anointed teacher. He is the teacher, capital T. And the anointed teachers in the church are fulfill that role of the teacher. As we've said in previous weeks, we're not talking about the fivefold ministry as titles. We're focused on the fivefold ministry as roles. Titles become prideful. We are roles fulfilling God's role in the church today. But Jesus is the only capital T teacher. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. You know, what Jesus is saying is, is I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm preaching, I'm saying things, but they don't see it. They don't hear it. They don't understand it. And then verse 14, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. So now Jesus is actually reiterating something that was written 700 years before in the book of Isaiah. And he says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. And then he says this, this phrase that I've underlined in my Bible, for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So we'll just take it from for this people's heart has grown, grown dull. I want to talk about this for a moment. So the dull that Jesus talks about, actually, the word there means calloused. Their hearts have become calloused. Have you ever had a callus? A callus is that tough part in your skin. I have them on my hands because I'm a farmer's husband. I've only got a couple really small ones. You got to look really hard to see them. But somewhere I have, I have, I have very mature calluses are my feet because I'm a runner. And a callus happens from constant pressure and friction on a particular area of our body, often our hands, our feet, 
place that, you know, working hands will often have calluses because there's constant pressure and constant friction, which forms this hard outer shell of skin. And that skin lacks feeling. That skin is actually like dead. And so you could actually take a needle and you could press it into that callus and you'd have to press for a little bit before it really hurts. On my feet, you could probably put a nail into my foot and I wouldn't feel it. I mean, and this has come in really handy because I can run across gravel. I can run across Lego in my house. I can do uh, fire walks with my feet if I need to. Like Frodo, I can just walk through fire and I, like, I wouldn't feel it because I have these calluses on my feet. I know the visual you're getting in your head right now. Grotesque. Imagine it, the worst you can imagine with the worst calluses. Yeah, that's my feet. It's okay. See, what happens is, is we, we build up this protective layer to stop from feeling. We don't just do this in our hands and our feet. We do it in our hearts. Jesus says their, their hearts are calloused. And, and, and they're calloused for really good reasons. They've been hurt. You know, God doesn't come through in, in a situation. People don't come through for us in a situation. Our dad wasn't there for us when we were young. Our mom abused us. Our friend wasn't there when we were going through whatever. And as we go through these hurts, what happens if we're not careful is we, we actually build up these calluses around our hearts and our hearts actually become dull. Our hearts become calloused. And, and you know, we don't even feel stuff anymore where we used to feel. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, if, if they will just see Hear and understand these layers of callus will come off and they'll turn and I will heal them. And a, a, a role of the teacher is to kind of unveil these places within our lives that need healing. Places in our life that need to be like a huge pumice stone on our hearts. And I pray that for you, if you're here this morning or you're listening online and, and, and your heart has become hardened, it's become dull to the things of God, dull to his voice, dull to others, calloused because you've been hurt. Just invite you this morning to say, Lord, I, I, would you renew my mind. Would you remove these calluses? Would you help me to feel again? To find myself to be healed in my heart. The third way that teachers will teach is 
of course, this behavioral, which I've already talked a little bit about because it's the end of this passage in verse 15, where Jesus says that their hearts have grown dull, but if they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, I will heal them. That one word and turn, that turning is the behavior. That turning is I'm going to do something about it. That turning is that during the sermon right now, something is being highlighted to you in your mind. And the Lord is saying, I want to heal that area. That turning is what are we going to do with it when the sermon's finished? That turning is, are we going to call that friend that there is relational brokenness with? That turning is, are we going to reach out to our spouse who we haven't really talked to, although we live in the same house and things have gotten really, uh, and we haven't talked in a while about whatever issue, our hearts have been hardened toward each other, that turning is, am I going to do anything with it? Anointed teachers are also for behavioral change. Jesus gave the gift of teacher that we would change. We would actually turn and be healed. And you might be here this morning and this, you need this healing. Listen, I need this healing. Man, like every time I, I talk to a counselor, my, my counselor, my friend, my wife, my kids, coworkers, I see all kinds of things that I want to change. But will I turn? Anybody imperfect in this room? Anyone other than me? I feel I'm out on a limb right now. And I'm, I'm literally like, here's the tree branch. I'm out on the tree branch and I'm cutting it off back here. Right? We're all imperfect. All of us have calluses. I don't know how deep yours are. I don't know the areas yours are in, but we all have these. It's time to take a pumice stone to the church. It's time to take a pumice stone and just say, are we willing to risk again in relationship, in community? I won't show you my feet, but I am willing to risk again. You know, we've endured hurt, hurt with one another, hurt in the community, Hurt by leaders in our life. The Lord is saying, Northside, are you willing to risk again? This week we're starting Alpha. And there's going to be people that have been anti-church, anti-God. There's going to be people who just never know anything about God. They're going to be risking a lot. By just coming to Alpha, sitting at a table, asking hard questions, risking a lot. We need to risk too. We need to risk as well. We need to turn and be healed. The last thing I'm going to talk about, and then I'll invite the worship team up, is 
is I don't just believe in, in cognitive teaching of the brain, effective teaching of the heart, behavioral teaching of our behaviors. I believe underneath it all, we have to have anointed teaching. Anointed teaching. Anointing is when the Holy Spirit kind of rides on the cognitive, the behavioral, the effective teaching, and transformation comes. Moses, who's one of God's OG anointed teachers. Everyone under 15 laughed at that. (laughs) Finally, something. Um, But Moses was one of the original, you know. He, He came to God and he didn't even know how to speak. He stuttered. What do you want? from me. This is going to be God's spokesman. And God said something to him. He said, I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Anointed teaching is God says to us, I will be your mouth. And so our teaching becomes more about listening than speaking. Teaching, anointed teaching, is I want to say only what God wants me to say. And when that happens, God says, I will be your mouth and I will tell you what to say. And so while I appreciate these arenas of teaching, underneath it all, there must be the anointing of the Holy Spirit as God arrests our facilities, including our mouths, and he begins to speak through them. That our words wouldn't just be our words, but on our words would the anointing of the Holy Spirit come forth. There would be authority and there would be power and there would be healing and wholeness and restoration on our words. Anointed teachers carry revelation. And when God says to him, to Moses, I'll leave you with this. When God says to him, I will teach you what to say. The word for teach means to throw or to shoot. I know what you're thinking. This is the second Sunday in a row you talked about shooting, Joel. Um, but the, the picture here is that I will teach you 
to speak. I will, I will teach you. I will put arrows in your mouth. I'll put arrows in your mouth. And I, I feel that the Lord is saying this to us as well, that the Lord would put words, words of encouragement, words of hope, words of life, words of peace, words that we can take into our relationships, into this community. And when we open our mouth, it's like God is like firing arrows, blessed arrows out into those in our lives. Blessing on our tongues, blessing from our mouths. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's pray. And I want to invite the worship team out and lead us. Father, I thank you that you have called the teachers to this church, Lord, that you have brought anointed teachers here, Lord, to help us in, in knowledge and in understanding, Lord, I pray as well, Lord, that not only would we be able to transfer knowledge in a logical way, but that there would be an anointing on our teaching, Lord. That when we open our mouth, fresh revelation would come out. And and that through that fresh revelation, Lord, there would be transformation and a renewing of our minds, Lord. A softening of our hearts, Lord, to be able to feel again, to be able to love again, to be able to risk again in relationship together and with you. And Lord, I pray that those in this room that don't know you, Lord, their hearts are totally hard. They've never entered a relationship with you, Lord. I pray even now that you would soften that. Soften their hearts, Lord, to be able to sense your presence and hear you speaking in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.